it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's all begun again. The agony, the ecstasy, the truly awful takes. No, I'm not talking about this podcast. It's the return of FPL proper as the season kicked off in spectacular fashion this weekend just gone, giving us the game week one I'm sure we'll always remember through the mists of time. We are Who Got the Assist. I'm Tom at WGTA underscore FPL on Twitter, Anthony at FPL Stag, also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. Make sure to give us a follow on those channels. And as I say, as I've been saying throughout the preseason, I'm not going to say this for the whole season, I promise. Subscribe. And also, if you haven't already, please give us a five-star review. If you appreciate this or anything we've done over the last five years, as it really helps spread the word of this podcast. Our lead code is 2IP43T. Memorable. And we're also on video. It will never replace the audio, uh, but just so you know it's there in case you want to watch on edited for some reason. Search on YouTube to find us. I was supposed to have a retro lineup today, actually. Currently on hiatus, but here tonight. It's the It's Tough King himself, Nick, at WCA underscore Nick. You're right, mate. Have you recovered from our night out with Rockstar and Hindu Monkey? Hey, Tom. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. It's, it's been a long while since my last appearance. A lot's changed. Bigger family, new season, as I said. You're on video now as well, so probably should have made a little bit more effort with my appearance. Still got the beard, <laughs> Shave of the beard. <laughs> yeah, give it a little bit of a trim. <laughs> but um, no, all good here, thanks. Um, definitely recovered, though. I did get <laughs> drunker than my original intentions. Uh, yeah, but no, no, all good, thanks. So yeah, a pleasure to be uh, joining you guys again for the pod. Um, what, what are we talking about today, Anthony? Yeah, great to have you back, Nick. Uh, it's been an explosive start to the season. Uh, one, I think that's sure to live long in the memory and continue to skew people's perception that game week one is a more exciting game week than others uh, than it actually is, because as we found out last week, it's just another game week. But uh, we're in a bit of a bind here because we've only had just one game week. And the tagline of WGTA is FPL Insight driven by data. But as we know from the summer special with the Analytics FC lads and just from ourselves, I guess, uh, we can't redraw really a huge amount of conclusions from just one game week, one sample. So what we're going to do is try and take some 
very responsible takeaways from one game week's worth of data uh, with plenty of WGTA on-brand caveating going with it. Uh, later in the pod, we're going to have a new form of correspondence coming from friend of the show and serial Doherty mispronouncer FPL Viking and tech gremlins permitting that should be a particularly good one for those who are on video. And that'll be followed, of course, by the usual bunch of listeners' questions. But in the first half, we're going to kick off with our game week reviews, the market forces, and of course, those responsible takeaways. Yeah, let's get into the game reviews. As seems to be customary between the three of us, uh, even though it was an explosive game week one, I came last. Yeah, it was a 9-6 pointer. I mean, to be honest, as I put on Twitter, I'm not sure I'd ever have guessed on Friday night that I'd be miffed with just 96, just, just 96, the game week one. But I'm a bit, and um, I guess we'll get into this actually in a little bit. We had a scenario, you know, where it finally happened to the, for the trend plate, um, you know, it blew up uh, with regards to that. And basically, Bollier did well. I was just sure one or two folk outside of the core eight or nine players that it really came down to. So, you know, we all had Sanchez, TAA, Shemikas, Nick and I had sure that Anthony didn't, but hey, that's because he's a renegade. Uh, Salah captain, Bruno, Antonio, Dings, Tony, most people did have him too. And Nick actually benched him and Nick's renegade as well. But overall, it came to kind of, you know, two or three others. And my two differentials, real differentials this week, uh, in that sense, were Gundawan and Barnes, both blanked and both consigned me to a middling week in the context of outrageous scores. It is quite puffed up this week in a lot of ways because of that kind of template explosion. But if you rebase it to kind of some sort of you know, normal expectation, this is the same as me. Could have scored 70. And I've got 65. I'm kind of looking at it ruefully. And uh, Gundog apparently could be crocked too. He was holding his shoulder like he'd done something to his clavicle. Um, so the rolling could be out there as well. Um, but nonetheless, you know, 96. That's my best, or comfortably my best game at one ever. I will take it. And more than anything, I was glad to see the football back. I think Anthony said last week, you know, I'm, I'm actually raring to go. I definitely felt that the excitement kind of growing in me on Friday night cut down very quickly by the performance versus Brentford. But FPL-wise, the excitement and the free PMs all happening at once, so, so good. Nick and I were in the pub for the for those. I was actually complaining at Nick for a lot of that time about that Danny Ings not scoring. And the 97th minute when I gone outside he did score and I came back out and I came back in and I was like ah! <laughs> and these sorts of things all make it kind of worthwhile don't they that the fans back everything I just wish my two blood different did something <laughs> but yeah 96 I think I'll take it Anthony what about you I'm pretty happy I'm like I only had five points more than you but as you say Tom I guess it's like the, the difference that you know the the three players of different you know of difference that he might have had from the template that make the difference basically what happened with my my third player who I would have said was a bit of a differential was Mason Greenwood and he obviously got a goal and that was enough to kind of yeah. propel me five points further up um, effectively. Uh, otherwise, it was pretty much exactly what you'd expect for a team like I, I followed my objective, uh, which was to have, you know, eight, let's say, template starters and, and then three not. And I did follow that. So Soufal, Pepe and Greenwood were my three kind of differentials. I guess my plan is to probably wildcard within two, three, four game weeks anyway. So I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, so those three differentials, Sufal was 17.09% owned, Pepe was 2.12, and Greenwood was 31.69. Uh, I had White and Veltman on my bench, and they're both in single figures in terms of percentages as well. And Alan, of course, the, the real hero, the sleeping giant, 0.0% owned, according to Live FPL. Uh, he played more than Brownhill. 
he got 100% more points than Brownhill. He got two. Brownhill came on and only got one. And he even had a single shot. So I'm telling you, 0.03 XG shot. But my God, what a shot it was. Third bench, Alan is there, ready to go whenever the day needs to come. But yeah, that 101 points, I'm pretty happy with it. Obviously, I captained Salah like everyone else. Didn't captain Fernandez. So what, there's three points in the difference there. But I was never going to captain Fernandez. You know, it was never a thought. Uh, Antonio Ings, Tony, the classic uh, starting lineup there. Uh, Greenwood and Pepe, aforementioned. Pepe was only going to ever be a one-week punt for me. I just I didn't want to put in a city midfielder there and find that I had the wrong city midfielder and being afraid of making the side grade. So instead, I was like, you know what? I'll just take a one week punt on Pepe. Hope for the best. It almost came off. He forced a very good save at Araya. Yeah, he, he had did, yeah. he had four was, shots. You must, in total. You must have been on, on the sofa at that point, just expecting yeah, celebration differential I, points. I was I was in a pub. I had just made an order. I had placed oh, an order no. for one Beamish and one Guinness, and I was staring at the television. It was a quite a crowded pub, in spite of the fact that there's COVID regulations still in this country that means the pubs can't be crowded. And um, quite disappointed, but I didn't react too uh, too violently at the time. Bang into your Guinness. Yeah, no, I didn't. Thankfully, I hadn't been served just yet. Yeah, Trent Alexander Arnold. Simicas, uh, Sufat Afra mentioned, and yeah, Sanchez and Gold. So yeah, look, it's fine. Um, I'll be moving on Pepe as expected, and I'm happy enough with taking the gamble. It could have really worked out. Mount was someone I considered for that position, but like, you know, this is kind of one of my real if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle type things, because like there were others who were, were considered for that role too, who I didn't go for. Yeah. And yeah. so look, I had Pepe, and it, look, it nearly worked. Nearly, nearly. And finally, uh, Nick. Wow, what an open game. I say what an open game. Obviously, eight points more than me. Uh, what's that? Three points more than Anthony, but still top of the pile. Um, and uh, a bit of classic harassing as well. No Antonio, you still managed to smuggle your way to the top. Uh, how did you do it? Yep, I'm back and I'm, I'm top of the table again. So, yeah, as, as you can see, I, I went for um, four at the back, slightly different to everyone else. So I put Luca Dean in as that fourth sub, uh, fourth defender, and that didn't really work out for me. Uh, Trent and Simicaz got the clean sheets. Luke Shaw disappointing one pointer, and, and Sanchez disappointing as well. But apart from the defence, you know, everyone else scored, everyone else returned. So Salah, the captain, like everyone got those points. Fernandez got those points, but a few key differentials in midfield as well. Ben Rama uh, joined that bullet train and, and got all those points from him, which was you know a massive haul. Nice. Nice. And um, nice. and Mason Greenwood as well. So I went for Mason Greenwood as sort of the seven point five million pick. I did I avoided the likes of Harvey Bar. And yeah, really happy with him as well at the moment. Uh, played out of position as a forward, number nine. But obviously, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a pick that's going to be in my team for the whole of the season because it's like Cavani coming back. You've obviously got Jaden Sancho as well, who's going to be in that starting 11 for United and, and Martial knocking on the door as well. So temporarily, I think Greenwood's a great pick and I'm, I'm quite happy with how it worked out for him, but I'm not sure how much of a long term pick he is. And, and then, yeah, and then the forward line. So I benched Tony. I benched him for the wrong reasons because I kind of saw Arsenal as a, t- as a tough match. So I was like, oh, he's, he's probably not going to get many chances or, or score in that one. But obviously Arsenal lost to get to Brentford, which we probably don't want to talk about too much, Tom. But oh, um, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm non-tribal, <laughs> mate. Non-tribal, we are not non-tribal, yeah. Um, <laughs> if Tom got very sad about Arsenal defeats, he'd be sad a lot of the time. But I've really um, got my bad FPL record to deal with. If I added Arsenal onto that, I'd be destroyed, man. So, uh, yeah. So I benched him, but I'm going to play him this week, I think. So um, I'm quite happy with that decision. And But I also had Callum Wilson in over Antonio because um, Tom was kind of, you know, promoting Wilson on 
on uh, Twitter and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll jump on that train and then he abandoned him and uh, le- left me in the likes of Morpheus Fire hanging with uh, Revenge for Callum, Callum Wilson in, uh... three years ago, Nick, when you yeah, were exactly. selling that to all and sundry yeah. and you got asked, I think your, your phone burnt through the mentions when you did that amazing thread on Jose Perez and those people had him in. He was yeah, absolute dog turd. And people like yeah. WTA, Nick, what have you done? You sold me down the river. Well, that, yeah, Perez was a mistake, but never mind. I think um, Callum Wilson worked out pretty well, got an early goal, but uh, yeah, then he ended up being outscored by Antonio ultimately. So, apart from the sort of the Antonio decision there, I think everything else I pretty much nailed. So, really ha- happy with that 104 points, you know, it's far more than I could ever dreamed of for, for game week one. Just one thing that we're going to throw in here on the next on the pod, but every week we're going to talk about our objectives quickly. So remember the last kind of uh, the last pod of preseason we spoke about this, and also the very first pod back this year we spoke about this, and we're going to keep doing it. We're going to kind of you know have it as being a thin red line, as I said that time, just go through the whole season. I don't think there's too much Anthony that really impacts everything here. Although you said earlier on, you know, you're going to start with max eight template players in game week one. I'm going to get rid of that from this point onwards because obviously it's happened. Um, but, you know, of your 4.75 um, uh, different uh, objectives, um, I guess there's nothing really to, to mention, just you know, remind people what they were and then if there's anything there that did go through your mind. Yeah, so the first of those objectives relates to captaincy and it was basically to captain with the herds, uh, the herd slash the algorithms. I, of course, did that. Probably had to go with Salah this week. Transfers, I've talked about not being afraid of transferring out elite players if they've dropped off. Uh, my two elite players uh, went and just scored well into double figures, so neither of them is going to be sold anytime soon. If I wish I had Son, if I'd found a way to make it happen, of course, I'd have needed mm, yeah, about 102 million. But if I'd love to have had him, <laughs> and I would be keeping him if I had him, and even Absolutely, right yeah. now I'm getting a little bit antsy about the fact that I don't have a route to get him for at least another game week. Uh, timings, I've well, I couldn't do this at wrong really the other day because um, the objective was not to make my transfers late, late, late on a Friday night or early on a Saturday morning. I think I bored you all to tears talking about how the fact that I had a thesis due at 11 a.m. on Friday. So that meant that no matter what, I was fixing my team after that point. So I got it fixed in the time uh, before the deadline after that point, thankfully. Uh, so yeah, this time it's basically I've, um, I'm going to dinner on Friday and that's relevant only because I'm going to have my transfer done before I go to dinner. That's what I've decided. So right. there you go, okay. guys, you can hold no me to that, uh, play style then the only, the other of the 4.75 that's worth talking about 4.75 objectives is max 10 hits in total max one in the first five game weeks. I'm not going to take one now. Uh, okay. I don't need to yet. Fair play. My captaincy. Um, and I'm hoping every week, I, I think that writing it down this is going to be like a proper thing where i'm not i'm going to feel like i'm going to be tail between my legs having to come back and explain why i've gone against myself if i get this wrong uh, but captaincy is do what mikel the transfer algorithm at mikel Tokfam on twitter so the idea is i'm going to do whatever that algorithm which is trusted by a whole host of amazing managers like josh moore's cheating and also like uh, fabio borje um i'm going to basically do what that tells me to do every week in terms of captaincy not of the transfers but in terms of captaincy this week's almost do salad i did salad and um, the only exception is that if there's number one pick you know next week we might say kevin de bruyne bye 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 and i'm not going to be selling salah or bruno to do that and i'm not going to be you know just doing something random to make that all kind of work so that's how i'm going to go number two so this week obviously i went with the captaincy algorithm and hopefully this every week it will, be, it will just be like captaincy did it moving on um transfers in, 50, in a 50 50 situation take the hit I've, I've got Gundogan this week. I think we'll see. 
but I don't think I'm going to be taking a hit there. I think it'll just be a straight shot out because there's a lot of different things I could do. You don't I can't feel get... the need to get Sun in and then you can no, start taking no, a hit. No, I, I think that's going, to, <laughs> that's going to leave me with two 4.5 and that is not good in midfield. Actually, there is a 4.5 I'll bring up later on just for lols. And the transfers take a chance on form. Buying bandwagoning players wherever possible. Maybe I should have bought Pogba actually. But again, we'll speak about this because I think it's one of those things where it's one week's worth of data and one week worth of knowledge and it's difficult to kind of say at the moment whether a player's informed based on one thing happening so I'm going to excuse myself Pogba amazingly um, but someone like Ben Rama or something um, probably is the person who I'm going to have to be transferring him because I'm this objective taking a chance on form buying bandwagoning players wherever possible and I hope they turn to season long picks is going to be one that's perhaps going to be governing the move that I make with Gundogan because I think that it's very likely. I was speaking about this later, but I think it's very likely to play. Anyway, um, a few objectives there. I mean, Nick, I know that you're obviously taking a step back this year, but are there any objectives you've got in mind? Any kind of principles you're trying to adhere to? Yeah, I have actually. So, as, as you know, one of the reasons I stopped doing the pods was sort of changing life factors, which basically means I've, I've got less time now to watch every single game, to sort of meticulously dedicate lots of hours studying each potential FPL player. Um, and as such, like I guess one of my objectives for this year is to listen more to what I would refer to as the hive mind and perhaps just not be too pig-headed in my own decision-making. So previously, like... For instance, last year, as, as you know, I've talked about this in sort of wrap-up pods, but, you know, the market was trending heavily, players like Lingard and Gundogan. And I kind of resisted just getting these guys in. I kind of looked at them and I was like, nah, you know, these guys don't have the underlying stats. They don't have the history. You know, I'm, I'm cleverer than that. I'm looking at a random guy like Pulisic, actually, and thinking he, he's got the potential to explode and, and you know, he's a much better player than Lingard, you know, that kind of thing. And to a certain extent... That obviously didn't work out for me last season. So this year, I'm, I'm I am going to kind of follow what's trending. You know, the the momentum picks to a certain extent, and and accept that I don't necessarily know what's best. I, I like to believe in my own ability to win FPL and think actually I can outsmart everyone. But there's so many great players, and and that hive mind on Twitter is so strong. And it, and it, and I think so far applying that approach did work pretty well because I, I went for Ben Rama and this, this guy definitely, you, you probably know me that this would not be a natural selection for me picking Ben Rama just because, you know, I, I would be overthinking it and I'd see, obviously he did nothing last year. He had, I think, one goal, six assists or something like that. And, you know, I'd say he's not got the history, you know, there's just plenty of other picks around that price that did excellently last year, perhaps in Harvey Barnes or someone like that. And then, um, you know, Simica is another example of that as well. Player just who's never virtually nothing barely played any Premier League minutes ever and you know, six minutes I think it was last year tar- target this guy and obviously it's four million so slightly different case but um, you know going for some of those picks those momentum picks trying to follow the, the trends a little bit more is, is something that I'm going to be targeting this season um, and uh, yeah it's I guess similar as well with the captaincy kind of following a similar thing to what um, Anthony said here, really, and, and yourself to a certain extent, is, is just trusting those big hitters, not trying yeah. to be too clever. Try, you know, I, I think calculated gambles can be good, but we, we've we've had so much experience now with with trying to play these calculated gambles with these calculated risks. <laughs> and yeah. n- nearly every time we get those calculations wrong, don't we? And uh, we should have just trusted the calculations oh. that were presented by other people ultimately. Yes, maybe. Grimacing emoji. Excellent. So basically 
similar to my sort of one and three uh, with uh, you know, trying to take a chance with form players. I think that that's nicely sort of uh, repackaged as being like, you know, I don't know everything, so I'm going to you know, let the hive mind help guide me. And then the captaincy, yeah, um, I guess you know, following the algos or following, as you say, whatever else you're going to follow as a guide. That totally makes sense, Nick. Yeah, that's cool. Right, let's move on to your favourite section, the market forces. I like the fact that you'll be doing, is, is your favourite section, the one that's quoted in David Wardell's book as being the thing that gets you going, uh, keeps you ticking over. Don't take the reins on this one, Nick. Let us know what's going on in the market. And Anthony could obviously aid in the bet you as usual. So in terms of the, the transfers in, it's, it's all about Paul Pogba. And I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but he really is the trending in player. That's partly because he wasn't a template pick ahead of this game. We mostly people had Bruno, a few people like myself at Greenwood. We all mostly had Luke Shaw as well. But Pogba certainly was under the radar at the start of the transfer window. There was so much speculation about him leaving. And that seems to have died down. And he seems to be playing a key role now. And, you know, he had great Euros as well for, with France. I mean, putting some excellent performances at least. And, yeah, started off with a quad assist, 16 points, a huge, huge return and uh, already had a price rise as well. So he's up to 7.6 million now, but still looks like a massive bargain at that price. So, yeah, 350,000 managers have, have jumped on the pog wagon here. Amongst the uh, other players that are being transferred in and quite popular is uh, the and his Man United teammate, of course, Bruno Fernandes, who is uh, up in price already to 12.1. And I think a bit like you say about Pogba, Nick, good value for that. But uh, the, I think the really interesting transfer, uh, popular transfer in is Richarlison for me. The fact that he's already up to 7.6, um, having done quite well. But I would have said that Calvert-Lewin, who's only the fifth most transferred in forward, is probably the better pick of those two. Um, and yet, uh, yeah, he's only been, he's been transferred in by about half as yeah. many people. So it's 215,000-ish for Richarlison, whereas Calvert-Lewin has just kind of crossed 105,000 transfers in right now. Yeah, I think with Richarlison, I mean, he's in good form. He, he had a really good Olympics with Brazil and, you know, he's, he's straight back in. No, no summer break at all. But got a goal and assist against Southampton. But it is worth highlighting as well with the upcoming international break. And there's a huge chance that he might miss a, a couple of game weeks as well because of Brazil's fixture schedule. So that is that is a bit of a concern. So, yeah, I'd probably, if I was targeting an Everton forward, I, I'd be sticking with... Um, Calvert-Lewin over, over Richarlison there but yeah third most transferred in player he is otherwise it's also Lukaku so obviously didn't play this week but um, it's now signed for Chelsea um, yeah and obviously you know we all rate him as a player and know how great he is and he's, he's 11.5 million in, in FPL so a lot of money to spend and, and it's like how the hell do we fit Lukaku in our squads but I think for me personally it's, it's a watch and wait just because they've got you know I mean, Chelsea's next five are pretty tough. They've got sort got of Spurs, City, Arsenal, Liverpool in, in there. Arsenal are just outside the relegation zone. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good game to have next, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and also Ben Ben White is uh, not the tallest centre back and uh, he's not the best with uh, crosses and diagonal balls, is he? Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. So, I mean, maybe he will um, explode in his first game at Chelsea, but I think for me, it's, 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 it's a watch and wait and see see how it goes for him. Um, and certainly can't even afford him to get in my team anyway. There's plenty of other good forwards yeah. out there. Uh, but it's just a bit of a watch and wait. But um, yeah, to round up the top five, Simicaz is the other one that makes up that top five. 187,000 transfers in for him. Already had a price. No, he hasn't had a price rise yet, actually. Yeah, he's it's still at four million, so I think he's about, ex- to, about to have one. Halfway. Yeah. Halfway. Way yeah. to profit, guys. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, he he started. So, you know, those concerns were <laughs> unwarranted and they've got Burnley at home up next. He even took some corners. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. more crosses in the game than Trent. Um, so, he, he had yeah. more crosses than any player in the whole entire league this week, actually. But uh, the funniest thing about them is that absolutely none of them found their man, according to yeah. the stats. Yeah, I know it, some it, of them it, looked it, good, but... <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to throw in with that Lukaku point that Mason Mount actually did have the most successful crosses uh, this, mm-hmm. this game week. So there you go. Um, uh, I guess uh, neatly segueing onto Lukaku, who people said him for Lukaku Kane. So 200,000 managers... Um, have regretted that decision to start with Harry Kane, despite the fact it was well publicised he wasn't playing game week one. And um, the yeah, the they, transfers out in general, I think, is characterised by people who put yeah, in players who they didn't yeah. realise were <laughs> going gonna, to be playing. You know, you've got. I was like, going to say, top... I've got a, I've got a Lemmings gif going through my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not being too disparaging. I'm sure if you listen to this, like, you know, obviously we love and respect everybody who plays FPL, but there are a few decisions here that you would. Question: like, it, The most fo- uh, sold forwards: Kane, Inacho, Cavani. The most sold midfielders: It's Saka, Madison, Grealish, Havertz, Sancho. Do you know? Like, I think it gives you a bit of an indication. Funnily enough, though, Ben White is the top most sold defender. <laughs> yeah, he's quite low on the list, though, isn't he? Because if you're yes. if you're kind of selling a four point five defender, I think that's probably one of those we're kind of like. Mm. I mean, uh, if anything, I'll, maybe we'll get onto it a little bit. But selling Target, for example, might be one that I probably class as being one that you might want to think about but no an interesting set of market forces there um and that there's definitely a lot that always goes on in the first game week all reactionary um and i think that we'll be kind of anthony looking at this sort of thing for the next kind of three or four weeks and kind of going well he's rising because he did a goal <laughs> i think that's probably going to be it isn't it there will be a yannick vestergaard moment for leicester i guarantee yeah. it People uh, might be reminded of this time last year when Human Son featured as the most sold and the most bought player, I think, like five oh, or yeah, six game cool. weeks. <laughs> and so we could quite easily see something like that start to uh, happen. Like it's just the cycle of the market forces in the early weeks. And it does play absolute havoc with prices because, you know, at this point, a 0.1 price wise is effectively two transfers if you don't have the budget for it because you need to sell someone else to make it happen. Uh, so, yeah. The, you kind of kind of have to, you have to pay attention to price movements as it stands right now. It's a circle of FPL. Anyway, let's move on to the main kind of bit this week. Obviously, it's a preamble. We've got we're doing little bits here and there. We're not going to have like a big long "what's the main question" sort of thing going on because, as Anthony said, as a days of pod without much data drawn this week, it's one where we talk about what we can around the core question, kind of, uh, which is what can we take from game week one. Um, and to form this question, I said it's my good buddy, David, a.k.a. FPL Elf, who really summed this up for me. Uh, and he basically asked, um, I've been thinking to myself, uh, how do I separate out the useful and not so useful information we received from the games in game week one? So much can chop and change at this point. What do I do? Last time I reviewed game week one days for the last seven years, and found that basically there's a 27 goal average on a regular game week versus a 27.5 goal average on a regular game week one. There was a difference of 0.45 more goals scored in game week one. There also tended to be more goals scored away. The majority of matches featured the clean sheet on one side or the other. And also, uh, there were f- around three in 10 games that were going to feature more than four goals. But game week one, 2021 22 happened. 
there were lots of goals this, this game week one, um, which could potentially put me in the mud. But no, um, I was very careful and made sure I caveated everything. You know me, you know, you know, I do that. I always say it could be. I think if you do listen to last week's podcast, you'll, you'll hear me say maybe this is the game week that everyone can remember. And so it proved. So you know, I get my crystal ball out. I could uh, you know, get that little snippet and be like, I predicted it. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, but there were 34 goals scored uh, this game week one. 34 uh, seven more than the overall average of 27. Um, it's the highest scoring game week one in the last eight years. Obviously, I can't speak to it. if game week one this year versus the season total this year has been better than better or worse in terms of averages. Um, but uh, game week one goal scored is now up in terms of an average from 27.57, whatever it is, uh, to 28.4. Obviously, 28-28, but you know, more goals are now scored in game week one than they were before this game week one. And if it's a high scoring season, we might sort of see this overall tally sort of tick up as well. Basically, we can't make any assertions because we don't know basically how the season's going to unfold. And if I did know, then I'd do very well at FPL this year. Um, the key one is that also last time, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I asserted a few things. There were more goals scored away from home than at home. Last season in particular, eight goals were scored at home, 18 away. No fans, COVID. It was all kind of sanitised. Um, there was a mode of no uh, nil-nils, seven-ish clean sheets were expecting per game one, and we were expecting three to four games with uh, four-plus goals scored. What we actually saw was something which kind of exploded everything. So 21 goals were scored at home this game week one. Yeah, it pushed up the average from 12 to 13, and that's the highest uh, comfortably over the last eight years. In fact, you know, before this, the joint highest was 15 goals, 1920, 2017, 18 at home. So uh, six more goals have been scored at home. Uh, I think that's probably something that we'll definitely talk about in a second. And away from home, you know, 13 goals were scored. That's actually not the lowest, um, but it's second lowest. So we had nil-nils, the mode being zero. We had less clean sheets, no. Um, so you know, in the past few years, we've had at least seven clean sheets. Last kind of four, four years, that is. This time, it was five clean sheets. And there were slightly more uh, times where there were four-plus goals scored in the match. Four. It, it was a big game week one, really. It's the highest scoring game week one in eight seasons. The home advantage is back with a vengeance, that's for sure. Um, definitely something that's worth kind of just meditating on in just a sec. There were still few nil-nils. There were fewer clean sheets than in previous seasons, as we saw, because of all the goals that were scored. And the mode is now that four and ten games will feature more than four goals, a bit of a goal fest. What can we take from game week one then, guys? I think there's obviously a lot of interesting stuff we can speak about here. We've got questions on bandwagons and transfer management later, so maybe we'll leave that out. But it was a high scorer, wasn't it? The template, as we've mentioned in the market forces and also have mentioned in our own sort of game reviews, did well. And maybe that's dampened transfer market enthusiasm. Like, what do you make about this? So, Anthony, what, what are your views on kind of the game week that you saw on Fold in Front of you? Yeah, so without going into specifics, I think some of the more interesting things were kind of related to just rules and how they were applied and maybe how that might go going forward. And it's basically just the diminished role of VAR in things, be that through the fact that the offside line is much thicker now yeah, and there's yeah, been plenty of commentary of a doubt, on isn't it? Was, the, yeah. was it the third Bruno goal that was a bit the third Bruno goal yeah, yeah that the was, one that was one that would have been, been a goal last year yeah correct and basically what it is is that when if you'll remember previously they used to try to draw try to draw the line for the defender and for the attacker if those overlap it's fine that's basically what the new rule is uh so yes that Bruno goal counted and there were other ones that counted too 
Um, another one with an on-pitch decision that stood, which perhaps wouldn't have stood last year, was the Tarkovsky header, where to put Burnley one nil up against Brighton after just two minutes. He barged through Neil Mope, and many would have thought that, yeah. that was a foul. I think it would have been a foul to, I think, what many people understand is a foul. But at the same time, should a player like Neil Mope be allowed to just stand there and block an important runner like uh, Tarkovsky from a Burnley set piece probably shouldn't so I'm, I'm actually I'm not as convinced it was a foul but it is the type of thing that would have looked terrible on VAR and would have been overturned last year and I think that's kind of the consensus in the media um, so yeah an interesting one nevertheless and the fans I think it's not something we touched on on the pod enough um, perhaps maybe we should have but I think yeah. we're too we're too data driven to get into it but the fact is that the fans being there did make more of an impact than I think we gave credit for um, Tom's already noted, of course, that the home teams were doing quite well and that home advantage is back with a vengeance. It will be really interesting to see if when the other 10 teams play at home in game week two, whether that changes. Every other te- every team that was away last week is home next week. I went and checked. So it'll be very interesting to see if we kind of see that pattern continuing. And I know to be drawing any sort of conclusions off that tiny sample still wouldn't be much, but at the same time, yeah. it will be very interesting to see. Uh, fans being back, it has been way more emotional than... Uh, I would have thought for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, James Planet FPL mentioned, you know, there were things like you know, flags being put up and banners and things which were would never have been done before, but they were making a conscious effort all through the leagues to try to create a sense of atmosphere, which completely makes sense. Um, but you, you mentioned Bruno a minute ago. And I think that, you know, we're not going to run through all of the games, but I think the United game is just worth mentioning from that perspective of fans making a difference or something else making a difference because... Bruno's XG was 0.75 according to Fix. Four shots into a hat trick. Um, you know, he was smashing into the box when Greenwood pulled wide, basically. And Pogba, four assists from next day of 0.68, five key passes. It was one of those where there was a real tension between the stat modelers and the eye testers that game. And that's a, it's a nice one to kind of bring in the fans there because something, you know, obviously, there's the quality of the players involved, but there was an extra sort of impetus for these guys for, for those things to kind of come off. The variance, if you were, you know, if, if your name's Analytic FPL Simon or your name's Jamie Re Rogue, the variance is off piste. But to the eye, United dominated leads in every department. And I think the Pogba assists to Greenwood really underpins this. And worth just kind of looking up, that could well go down to being the past of the season. Um, great ball, but one of those has got a low XA on it. So if you look at the individual kind of expected stats from that goal, that pass the XA is very low so basically Pogba hit it into space but Greenwood took it on and a classic brilliant Greenwood finish as well so fairly low XA overall United their XA was 1.27 these 0.82 final score 5-1 one of those where you know external factors were going to impact the outcome and I think fans had a huge huge impact on that yeah, with that Pogba, um, you're talking about his assists as well. I would say he was quite fortunate to get that first assist too. And I think this is more from the eye test than it is from the XA of it because when the chance was taken down for... When Bruno took down the ball successfully with that absolutely dulcet touch for his first goal, it then became a high XG chance with a good XA. But the ability to take that down is something that there's a handful of footballers in the world can do consistently. And it yeah, just happened yeah. to happen that way. <laughs> so, you know, in another world, Papa might've had, I think two assists is kind of fair to say of what he had. It would have been a bit of an overperformance, but to get four from a 0.6 XA was uh, pretty like fantastic. Like put in, put in this um, perspective, actually uh, the second highest XG for any player on the pitch was who Tom? 
uh, Rafinha. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, yeah, well done. Yeah, so it was Rafinha with a 0.33 XG. Um, most of that coming from one particularly good, but he only had two shots. Yeah, one of those that, that was a 0.29. Huge at the end where we all, huge everyone chance. didn't own him, breathed a sigh of relief, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, me included for sure. And that like was actually one of the best chances in the whole entire game, and he didn't score it. Um, Rafinha also had an XA of 0.13, by the way, which, you know, it's about a quarter of what Pogba had. <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, he was, wasn't doing he too bad. He was badly. so close so many times, like drag backs yeah. and stuff. Like, oh, we'll mention it later on the Gundogan thing, but no, definitely. Um, yeah, so yeah, bodes well for him. And uh, the ailing goal, you know, about as good as Alan's shot, a 0.03 XG shot. So that was a fun, that was a fun bastard though, wasn't it? That was yeah. a great goal. Um, before I bring Nick in, the only, the one thing I want to note here very, very quickly is that Brighton won an XG war in that Duffy, Mope, loads of shots. Duffy, right. you're relevant again, Anthony. Um, but, um, <laughs> Four shots for a combined uh, Brighton, XG of 0.06. Brighton <laughs> lost where's the, the Where's the flag, Anthony? <laughs> he, he's flying it somewhere. Uh, but Brighton lost the XG war. They uh, had an XG of 1.76, the Burnley's 1.99. But they won two goals to one. So it's happened. Finally, it's happened. There Hooray. Well done, Burnley, and some Potter magic has done it. Um, Nick, is there anything you particularly picked up from this first round of games? Yeah, I think you guys summed it up pretty well about the the home advantage, just how much of an impact that had. Uh, and it's just like as well, you know, with Spurs as well, beating Man City. And I was going into that game really negative. I was being very negative ahead of that game. I was expecting us to maybe concede three, four goals. But, you know, likes of Eric Dyer played out of his skin. Um, and just the fact, you know, obviously the, the home fans supporting us just played such a, such a crucial role there in... In, in getting us over the line, um, especially obviously considering all the, the the circumstances that are going around in in the background behind that game, and, and it's it's like that with a few of the other games as well, of course, with, with Brentford's first ever game um, in the Premier League. Just like the atmosphere there was absolutely electric, and I think that really inspired the players um, in ahead of um, winning that game. And, and I'm kind of one of those people that's always like looked at home advantage a little bit negatively, thinking you know these are all professional footballers, they're just doing their job. You know, they they're not really impacted or affected by the atmosphere around them. The better better players on the day um, will, will perform the best but I think you know especially considering the circumstances of last year with no fans that having those those stadiums full of fans again has yeah. just really really added that extra impact and we saw it as well with England um, during the during, during the Euros just home advantage the crowds at Wembley just absolutely inspired the players so in so many of those games so I think that's something that we do need to bear in mind to a certain extent when we're picking our captains over the course of the season, when we're doing our transfers, just thinking about that home advantage and how that's going to play because, um, yeah, it, it did play a key role this game week. I mean, it was three out of ten, wasn't it? Um, away wins. And maybe it could have been four you know, if, uh, I mean, uh, actually City won the XG war, <laughs> 2.41 XG versus 1.3. But the actual game was decided by that, Good song goal. Um, but akin to Brighton, there were a couple of you know, impresario away performances that did happen. Uh, one was the routine victory uh, for Liverpool against Norwich. Um, and obviously, that's a huge miss. I mean, Nick, you and I were both off our seats thinking we'd lost the clean... Well, I think we, I was, we'd lost double clean sheet. Uh, that big miss by your, your previous man um, when he was in Middlesbrough, Ben Gibson, a great uh, save by Alisson. Um, 4.5 million rup 
four shots and most shots to 4.5s of anybody. It was pretty advanced. And Shimikas actually had a couple of attempts, same as Jota. Uh, Jota had two shots, by the way, both of them big chances. Uh, but West Ham, much agony to lots of ecstasy uh, for all people who were involved. And um, obviously people like Nick with double up. Wow. Yeah, well done. Uh, so many people, including me, were ruining Wilson and also regressing Benny Rama and Antonio uh, by, by half time. I think there are so many kind of regretful tweets out there. And um, probably a prime example of why live tweeting is a terrible idea and why I love the fact you can now change, you can reply to your tweets. Um, but yeah, I tweeted in the second half, 20, 52 minutes in, I think it was, that Antonio's positioning was concerning me. You know, he was drafting wide, you know, dropping deep and then sniff 53rd minute he assisted Ben Rama 63rd minute he missed a penalty for, for Suchet to score and 65th minute he scored his own goal and I, my phone started going off and I was like oh no All right, okay change who can reply only people that I follow and it's like suddenly it's all over and um, I was in the mud um, but I maintain they were a bit might worrying before that but you know, there were a few decent away performances and you know if um, for example you know cities had gone one way and um, you know, a couple of other things, you know, like uh, Aston Villa actually, their XG was marginally better than than Watford's, incredibly. I think because of the Ding's pen, to be fair. So non-pen obviously would would, would be completely you know, there there'd be no contest. It's just because yeah, of, of that penalty. Um Wendia, zero chance created, only successful in thirteen of his seven only successful in the seven of his thirteen four passes worth and um, but a few things not kind of going the away team's way so i think anthony you're right on the button there in terms of you need to see whether this happens again in terms of the home teams and and whether it is the fact that it was kind of how things fell out on the day rather than being a compelling argument the fans are making a massive difference but i felt the home difference in emotionally sentimentally watching the games if that make makes any sense at all anthony no, it absolutely does. I think that's basically what I was alluding to as well. You, you, it was it was visceral. It very much was, and I suspect it will be the same again because it is for you know fans at home grounds all across uh, England. It is the exact same thing again. It is their first time seeing them with a full stadium or close to it. So yeah, I, I suspect it will be pretty much like that. I think in my other takeaways is just this was a high scoring game week, but a huge amount of that does, and sorry, this is still stating the obvious, comes down to the fact that most people had both Bruno and Salah and most people captained one of those two. So, you know, that accounts for half of people's ton, basically straight away, uh, and, a, and a good bit more than the half. And that makes it a pretty big game week. And I don't think we can expect that most of the time. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like don't like. Yes, you've got good teams. Um, I wouldn't start getting panicked if things don't go right next week. But you won't be getting hundred every week either. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, like not. someone like Bruno and Salah, like if they return thirty to thirty-five game weeks out of the thirty-eight, that's extraordinarily good. But that still leaves plenty of times where they blank, and that leaves plenty of time where your captaincy will blank, even if it's on one of them. So yeah, get ready for the pain, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that as well. Like, there's been obviously a lot of hype and excitement about what happened in game week one, but I think things are going to change very, very rapidly. For instance, you know, we've known that Manchester City have Norwich up next, and there could be a complete shake up of that template after that game. And we might see a totally different set of performers. And, you know, we saw it as well. I sort of go back to the Euros, like where Sterling was excellent and Bruno was, was completely anonymous for Portugal. Um, and obviously, it's kind of playing into a certain extent in Ronaldo's shadow and it's very different between club and country but I think we have to just be very much on our guard about 
changing dynamics, especially as well with the transfer market um, not closed. Uh, so many clubs are still going to be completing those transfers. And we've got new players coming in like Lukaku. And there's obviously something happening with Harry Kane as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of change in the next couple of weeks. And, and a lot of players, you know, Brendia, as you said, he had a, a shocking debut. Ben White had a, a shocking debut. But, you know, it might change next week. They might have some more time to train with their clubs and, and do better. Yeah, I'm, I I completely agree. Like overall, I'm not sure we can take too much from the season in its own stages. Like obviously, I hope things are going to be you know, devastating and unpredictable from a fan point of view. There's going to be goals flying in. It's going to be a 34 goal average season versus the usual 27. Um, but you know, if you're new and listen to us, you know, welcome, we love you. But this will not be, as Anthony alluded to a second ago, a constant occurrence. You know, you're not going to see, as Nick mentioned, you know, all of this happening all the time. Hold your horses. A 40-pointer is definitely on its bike uh, for next week. I mean, it's a bit of a mere point, but I'm a data person. I'm not an analytics guy, but you know, I'm a data person. I'd like to be able to evidence my assertions quantitatively as well as qualitatively. Um, I think we've kind of shared a couple of observations um and fundamentally though i've got a sample size of one at the moment um, and i'm supremely uncomfortable with having to make a transfer based off that so it's one of them where i mean it's been a great game week it was a great game week there were loads of goals scored but i struggle to take too many lessons from it overall i think there are going to be some tactical things i might do so for example you know buy ben rama um off the fact that um you know he's 6.0 decent price for the guy that i've got who is injured obviously good one was actually taking good positions but that might be one of the little things that i do but i wouldn't be drawing overall conclusions is that fair anthony I think it is actually. I've got an interesting one on Ben Rama. That was a headed goal that he scored. How many headed goals do you think he has scored in his career, both of you? Zero. And uh, Nick, sorry. Yeah, I'll go with two. Two, dead on, dead on. Oh. You remember well his goal. I think yeah, it was uh, in Ligue 1 in 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he scored his second headed goal of his whole career at the weekend. So I Jeez. guess what that tells you is okay. I don't want to be like completely. You know, um, stubborn about pointing out this fact but I think what it tells you is that he doesn't tend to get in the position that he found himself in to score that headed goal um, and he certainly doesn't tend to capitalize on it and so it's just it's an, in, it's an it's an unusual goal for Ben Rama to score the type of the position he found himself in and without that he doesn't have a huge xg perhaps it's one of these things where the fact that he'd scored is going to start to really start off um, a bit of a bandwagon on FPL I'd be very surprised if he hasn't had a price rise by the end of this week but it'd be interesting interesting to see if he can maintain it because that is not the type of goal that you bought Ben Rama for even yeah. if he has good underlying stats fair enough but I think maybe it's positioning as well anyway we'll get into this in a little bit good uh, kind of general kind of wash up of all the kind of start of season stuff take a break here move on to the correspondence and questions I just after this who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and uh, yeah, it's, it's time for the correspondence section and the Q&A. And uh, yeah, so something slightly different this week. We've actually got a video uh, sent to us from Paddy, FPL Viking. Uh, very curious to see what he has to say this week. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to who got the assist uh, for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm sorry I can't actually be there live tonight as I'm currently in uh, L.A., um, I'm quite a big deal over in America at the moment and I'm just over there, you know, doing my thing for promoting FPL and things like that. Um, suppose that the, one of the things you sir, you know, you sir probably wondering is like, 
how did an FPL genius such as myself <laughs> go with Pogba over Greenwood and Sancho, things like that? Well, it's very simple, really. You know, I'm a simple man, you know. I don't overthink too much. I looked at the fixtures, done a bit of tinkering. I didn't do as much tinkering now this season as I usually did. Um, probably because I'm busy swimming, you know, doing the Lord's work for a few charities and things like that. Um, you can follow me there on Instagram, uh, the, F the Viking Dippers. Um, so what happened, this all went down in the last couple of hours. You know, I was looking at the United fixtures, which are fantastic. I've seen, you know, I've seen Greenwood. A lot, of, a lot of people were, you know, going with Greenwood. And, you know, I just thought... He might get he mightn't get the full ninety minutes and I didn't want that. And I knew Pogba was going to get the full ninety. And I thought, you know what? Pogba's gonna mm. he's gonna shine. Just had it in my gut. You know, always go with your gut. Like Pogba's three point two percent owned. And he was hardly in anybody's FPL teams. And I thought to myself, he's he's going in mine. So uh, out went Rafina, and went Greenwood, then out went Greenwood and then went Pogba. And let me tell you, when that first assist went and I was like brilliant. I was just <laughs> relieved because you just want to return, you know, from your from your FPL players. The second one went in, put my hand down my shorts. Third one went in. Can't really say what happened then, but look, I was roaring the house <laughs> up and down then. The fourth one went in and did he get fourth? I think I've lost count, but I was just brilliant. a great start. Game week one is flying off to a flyer now. And uh, the phone has stopped ringing like, you know, they're even looking for me to replace some hosts on other shows, you know, like the surgery there, like Flappies in the Mud. They're looking for me. No cheaters. Josh and Bran want me in as a third man. But I'm just going to stay loyal to the FPL Hangover. That's my crew. And uh, they backed me. And you know what? They made the right choice because I'm going to FPL this year. And I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I'll see you for game week two. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to edit that <laughs> to make sure the podcast can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, still stay as a uh, as a thing. And on, on YouTube, I'm going to have to change it to be uh, yeah, okay. plus. We don't want that explicit uh, tab on it. Yeah, he, he didn't have to go through the usual correspondence. <laughs> who no, got the he assist, which is the email, com. He went through the Tom and myself's WhatsApp group, which is called Doherty. <laughs> from, um, hey, the, from the controversy. It's exact same sound, Stag. Did a video on Twitter as well, pretending that I was on the phone to him. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Anthony, do you want to just speak us through the correspondence and kind of make some sense about what we should speak about here in terms of correspondence issues? Yes, indeed. Well, the correspondence section usually is a segment of this show where we allow listeners to send in longer form questions, addendums to previous shows, poetry, or indeed uh, self-congratulatory videos um, where we you know, hear what people are saying and we leave them air their views in a much more, I guess, long form way than we usually would in the Q&A section, which is just kind of rapid fire questions that we kind of knit together lots of them at the same time. So it's a pretty versatile slot and it's really useful for allowing us to maybe get at the zeitgeist um, in FPL or to deal with meta questions, which we just like to deal with. So thanks to Paddy for sending that particular one in. I guess what he's hinting at is a general discussion about punts and how they might have paid off. And I guess what we're really focusing in on is your third slash fourth midfielder slot, which I think generally would have been when we talked on the price pod, the six to 
it had a stretch nine million bracket, but really we're really focusing on the six point five to kind of seven point five, and I guess you could speak to eight million with Jack Grealish slot and how that might have paid out, how it might have paid off, and I guess whether it is the slot that we think is one that's good for using as a punt, and whether or not I guess we can identify a particularly good punt from it, either from just this week that's gone by or kind of looking forward so it's a very very general discussion on that particular slot in our teams yeah exactly i mean as i moaned about in my game we kind of outcome um getting that right is often the difference between a good week and a bad one actually um because i think you know, uh, midfield three midfield four um are those ones who are going to make a difference if there are kind of you know in the engaged community the majority is going to be you know, eight or nine players are going to be those kind of guys and Pogba's written, risen in value already, um, as Nick mentioned earlier on. As we saw with Pog's XA, at least, I did say, I tweeted at the time, you know, he's bought his France boost today. But the outcome's obviously an outlier and one that Paddy should 100% enjoy. Uh, I guess throughout the season, it's more of a balance. So at the moment, as Anthony said, right at the start, no data, pre-game week one. Um, and... As Paddy said, it's more of a feeding more than anything, I guess. And sometimes there is more of an obvious move in this sort of kind of region, but early doors, things are always puntable, aren't they? And I think that he did you know, really well to kind of just kind of identify a potential uh, individual who could return. And he was richly, richly rewarded for that. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon to all this? Yeah, I, I think certainly that sort of third mid, fourth mid is that kind of differential area where we're going to be looking at our teams and saying, okay, we've got some key men in defence. You'd like to Trent, you've got your key midfielders, perhaps you've got your, your key sort of forwards as well. And then you've kind of got, you know, you've got these two, two or three slots just to play with, just to kind of go for something a little bit different, a little bit niche. I mean, you know, obviously the Ben Rama wagon happened on, on Twitter and that was kind of like, you know, the, the popular differential, as you like, because, uh, you know, no one would have ever called that we'd all end up with Ben Rama in our teams about two months ago. So that kind of slot is where we're looking at. And I think Pogba, you know, it's a fantastic call there uh, to, to get him in. But I also stand by my pick, Mason Greenwood, uh, for, sim- for similar reasons, you know, obviously we Paddy highlighted the Manchester United fixtures there, and and they are absolutely fantastic. We we know also that um, you know with the likes of Rashford being out, with the likes of Cavani being out, that Mason Greenwood and Sancho was obviously still settling in. That Mason Greenwood was going to start, and I really, I still really, really like him as a pick. I think he's he's potentially going to have his breakthrough season this year and get double figures for goals. So. I kind of stand by him and why I selected him as well. But obviously, I think Pogba, another great pick there, and he's top of the market forces now, going to be a huge wagon um, over the course of the next couple of game weeks, especially with that sort of nice fixture of Southampton coming up next. Really good to hear from Paddy and obviously really happy for him. If you do have that kind of feeling game week one, there's always, it is recoverable if it does go wrong, as you see with the likes of Harvey Barnes, as you see from the likes of, you know, Gundogan with me, uh, Pepe Van for me. So you know, it's a prime time to do it. And if either of those had paid off for either me or Anthony, then we'd be laughing right now. So, yeah, uh, Paddy's a great example for kind of the, the, the extreme end, I think, uh, uh, looking at the, at the XA and what Paul actually delivered. But there we go. Right, let's move on to the questions, uh, the listener questions. Thank you very much for those. I know they don't stay up for very long. I think I do them kind of on Monday in the morning. Um, but we had a lot of great ones this time around. The first kind of you know, 
theme, I guess. I'm also going to throw these all into a theme because I'm going to leave anybody out. Um, it's kind of bandwagons and market management, uh, potentially kind of continuing on from our first half chat. Um, it, we kind of didn't really speak about it because I said we had questions on it. Uh, but Dave, CZ, April Anthony, and uh, or maybe Anthony. Maybe, maybe this is an Anthony. He's got a Scottish flag next to his name. I'm, I'm, maybe this is an Anthony. Uh, and Kane Woodman asked essentially about how we're going to manage bandwagons and price shifts this year. Who are these bandwagons and what will our approach be? You know, especially um, as Kane Woodman, not Harry Kane, Kane Woodman points out there's more scrutiny on FPL specific players than ever before. And uh, uh, Bungle Laguna. Um, also said, what the hell are we going to do going forward um, with Lukaku and Kane slash Son, especially if Salah and Bruno keep doing the job? It's really important that this year could be the one which is a bit different to past seasons. I mean, Anthony and I spoke about this um, during the preseason. This is a year where you've got a lot of premiums going. So the 200 club, you know, last year was kind of the usual suspects. And the last few years, we've been a premium down effectively. And um, we've Hazard out and nobody really coming to replace him. So, you know, Timo Werner failed hard. This year, we've got Salah, Kane, Bruno, maybe Mane, maybe KDB, Lukaku, and maybe Sterling, all above 11 million all could play a role in the template at some point and all could be firing at once, which will definitely create market volatility and throw into sharp relief Anthony's question here about the pros and cons of catching player price rises versus rolling the transfer. I mean, are we going to be waiting a week or jumping in, honouring the you snooze, you lose sort of, you know, ethos of last season? The importance of choice, I think, we really brought to the fore this year. What do you guys reckon here? I mean, Anthony, what are you going to do in terms of you know, managing the bandwagons and managing the market? How are you going to be approaching things, at least for the short term? Obviously, things are going to develop. But I think we touched on this a little bit earlier on. And I was kind of saying that a 0.1 rise right now is effectively a 0.5 in how it can make a player completely unreachable in your squad without taking a hit. So I think that highlights how important it is to keep on top of the price changes. It's not so much the bandwagon, but the effect of the bandwagon that you need to be on top of because it just the bandwagon itself becomes almost inaccessible to you if you're not careful very, very easily at the moment. Now, when I look at the bandwagons that are starting to form right now, I'm not sure if I feel the need to make a move like just we the transferred in people, the likes of Pogba, Richardson, Ben Rama, Lukaku, Kanos is uh, up there as well um, in midfielders, Antonio, and then it's quite a few of the guys who are in the template, and then the likes of Sar, DCL, Dennis, etc. Now, I don't think there's any of those that I don't own that I feel the need to rush to get into my side right now. And now I do have a space to do so when I have to move on Nicola Pepe, but I still don't think that I'm necessarily jumping. I could have jumped across to Pogba if I'd made a move straight away. I didn't. And I am tempted to jump on to Ben Rama or Sar. I do not think. So I'm not totally driven by bandwagons right now. I'm still trying to play my own game to some extent, but there is a very strong argument for trying to build value in your team now, because if you don't do it now, you know, you will obviously build value kind of accidentally with who you have in your team, but you could find yourself, you know, a million down quite easily in game week 20 something or 30 something, which makes life an awful lot more difficult for you to through chip and wildcard season. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, as, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I think catching those bandwagons, those early transfers, is, is going to be critical this season. But you also obviously have to 
approach it to a certain extent with a little bit of degree of caution. If, if you've got players that are returning week in, week out, you know, like Bruno and Salah, you're not going to be taking these guys out. That's just going to be extremely high risk, even to fit in the likes of Kane or Lukaku if they start scoring or, or one of the City guys perhaps as well. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be about that rotating cast in that sort of third and fourth midfield as we just kind of were talking about. And I think, you know, it's, it's going to be the case that obviously I've got Greenwood and Benrahma right now, but I don't think those hype trains are necessarily going to last more than a few weeks just because of, um, you know, rotation at those clubs and, and fixture shifts as well. So find, finding that sort of where to spend that next money will will be critical. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I don't need to to make a move at this particular moment in time because everyone returns. And I think that's going to, I think that's a certain extent. It's going to be common across the whole sort of playing population at the moment. You know, no one's really going to be taking hits. A few of you guys might be making moves just because you've got, you know, shoulder injury of Gundogan and just sort of you, you're looking to move on Pepe. But it, it's kind of, obvious in fact that like the players being sold they're all kind of randoms that you know shouldn't have been in the team anyway from in the market forces the top five are all these kind of characters like Kane and Cavani and if you'd actually been following the press conferences you wouldn't um, have those players in your team and it's like the most transferred out player that wasn't kind of a random pick was Ben White's um, after his debut to forget so I think yeah. To a certain extent, there's, there's not going to be too much market movement this week and it, there's not really any huge bandwagons you need to urgently jump on. But, you know, that's just not a problem as far as I'm concerned. I think rolling transfer game week two, you're gonna, I think there's going to be a lot more movement after yeah. after next week. I, I think we'll, we'll get on to it just a second in terms of that because there will be some people uh, like me and Anthony. And the majority of this podcast will be looking at making movements in the market. But if you um, have done okay in game week one and you haven't, got some issue or 7.5 ish kind of guy and then it will happen and um, but i only think of all of this is that it's the same as my third objective this year that i'm going to trust form quote unquote i'm not entirely sure it applies actually with pogba squirm squirm uh, from my objectives <laughs> but that is uh, one of those things that i'm not entirely sure it's quite there but i might go there with ben rama uh, actually uh, dave cz um, asked about upcoming bandwagons as well I think there may be Villa, Villa sell off in game week 4 when the pitch is stiffen uh, Leeds maybe uh, buy in in game week 5 when the pitch get good and Son as well for those versus Wolves and I think there'll be a lot of teams um, featuring him pretty quickly let's move on uh, to bye bye Bruno um, a rare one uh, an email um, so you don't have to email in for correspondence you can email in a game week question if you want to who got the assist at gmail.com uh, but Michael Hall uh, via email asks for his friend, he doesn't ask for him. He asks for his friend. Um, if uh, if you know, he doesn't have Bruno, and should he just bite the bullet and get him in as a Southampton? I probably would be thinking about buying him back in this week. I mean, Nick, you said that obviously everyone should be rolling their transfer, but if you were a Bruno individual, would that be different? Yeah, no, I mean, didn't say everyone should be rolling their transfer. I just said that it's going to be a lot more rolling for the transfer than you would have typically expected just because of the high scores. Yeah, I gotta say, it is a tough one because I think, obviously, you know, he's not going to score a hat-trick every week and there is that sunk cost to a certain extent. And because of his price as well, 12 million, now 12.1 million, you know, a lot of these managers are going to be looking at the teams and thinking, how do I actually get this guy in now? Because you might be looking at a minus four or even a minus eight to get him in. And that's even more lost points that puts you even further behind your competitors when, when in fact, you know, this week, for instance, you might say, well, 
I'm going to continue to zag and, and target De Bruyne for Norwich at home or a couple of the City guys like Mahrez or Grealish or something like that and and try and regain that advantage against those managers that um, went without went with Bruno because obviously you, you might be 20, 30 points or so behind now from those guys. So you, you've got a bit of catching up to do and, and, and you're not going to catch up by getting the same player as your fellow competitors. So if you've already zagged, then I, I don't see the harm of continuing to sag so there was a case for continuing to stick with your principles that meant you didn't have Bruno in the first place so I think you know I can understand that argument that being said we know that Southampton got ruined by Spurs uh, this time last year in, in game week two that was the big Son Hall uh, that we all remember and I can see this one turning into a cricket score again so you know it is it's a highly risky strategy but if you've got or if you've gone this far you know then there are other picks out there, especially with you know the Man City games and the Chelsea players and stuff like that. Yeah, like you'd, you'd have to presume with Michael's team that he's got more of the like seven point five ish midfielders, or you know the the punt bucket basically that we were talking about. He's just got quite a lot of them, and I guess the ones that he potentially has players the likes of which myself and Tom have the Gundogans and the Pepe's of this world, along with the likes of presumably Grealish and Jota, for example, and you know. Every dog has its day in that uh, bracket. And I think, you know, as you say, Nick, he, you've made your bed not having Bruno because you've got quite a few good players in to, you know, balance up your, yeah. t- your team across the board. And I guess, yeah, to abandon the plan as is what you're getting after one week is a bit like, you, you might be just selling the points. You might be taking a hit to sell the points that are about to come. For, yeah. I, yeah. If, if, if you've got Mares or Son or something like that, then, then certainly you're not really going to be selling these guys now, are you? It's all contextual, isn't it? So, I mean, if you're, I, I know um, James Blunt FPL got was in the hundred point club. You guys didn't have Bruno, um, and there's always the kind of description of the you know who who an essential player is. I think he didn't you know subscribe to that with Bruno, and he basically made the point that if he'd have not had Bruno, he'd have gotten less points. So, if he'd had Bruno, he'd have gotten less points from doing that. Um, so. It's not an X versus Y kind of thing, um, and maybe what you're saying, Anthony, is completely true. But you, you know, next next week it might not happen because there was obviously this outsized sort of um, outcome of Bruno, and we looked at the XG of that. We've mentioned that, and maybe Southampton won't be the fodder for him scoring a hat trick. A hat trick is okay. That's one of the things that is such an extreme sense of variance based on the analytic pod that we did in the summer special, isn't it? I mean, it's not one of those things that you can assume is going to happen every week. And with Bruno, he is a points machine. He's one of those that, like Mo Salah, who is going to be a player who's going to return consistently. But you can get away with not having Bruno. But you can't uh, ever say a player is essential. I think if you didn't have Bruno, didn't have Salah, you were punished massively, and perhaps that was a little bit too much daring do. <laughs> but at the same time, like you, nobody who has Bruno and Salah expects them to get uh, north of fifteen points regularly. Do you know, like, and that's yeah, what happened. Absolutely, so. absolutely, absolutely. I think it's one of those, it's one of those that it, it was kind of extreme variance. It was extreme luck that things went the way they did but equally if you're at Bruno and you're getting twitchy and you want to correct that problem you had a really bad game week one 
it may be something worth doing because of how Southampton were in their first game week, losing to Everton. Um, I think that was quite a one of those games where you know, maybe you might be thinking, oh, hang on, everyone's going to be targeting that game. Could be worth moving on to. All right, let's move on to the next question. It is about the Gundawagon. Uh, so maybe this brings in Anthony as well with the Pepe Pedalo, I guess. The Pepe Pedalo, I think that's the only thing I can think of beginning with a P. Nick, anything else? The Pepe Perjo 306? Pepe Parachute? No, no, he's not going down to earth pretty quickly. Pepe Paraglider, yeah. (laughs) Pepe Um, Pepe Pepe Pereira plane. But it's all there, isn't it? So basically, it's a 7.5 million or below mid-focus. Something which may move two out of three of these of this pod into making a change this time round. So Luke Jurdy, uh, FL Robin, Hoods, uh, Beth McDevitt, FL Dyson, uh, Hadafi. We're all in touch with a similar question, you know, what are we going to do about a similarly stricken by a shoulder or collarbone, knack, Gundawan? Uh, Luke in particular says, you know, we're looking at Greenwood, Ben Rama, what we're going to do. Um, so Anthony, you've got Pepe, so not quite Gundawan, but you always plan to make a change here yeah what you're thinking now what's your thinking now yeah it's time to jump off the pepe paddle board that's what we'll go with uh and into the sea of options that are there um we have to figure i don't actually know which one i will go for i'm glad actually the gundawan's off the table because he was a tempting option for me i thought though it would be a man city midfielder that i would go for and when i saw ferran torres starting up front for city against spurs i went right that's probably who i'm going to be picking um, but unfortunately, the fact that he didn't score, didn't return, it was a bit of... City lacked a, f- a focal point in their attack kind of the whole entire time. You know, the likes of Grealish were able to get on the ball. They were able to bring it towards the final third. And then there was this real kind of the whole entire team effectively going, and then what? And they having no answer. And of course, the you know, the hole in both teams that was Harry Kane was kind of obviously well discussed. Um, but I just feel like someone like Ferentaris no longer feels like as safe, quote unquote, as safe as Pepper can get. I feel like he's gone down in that particular uh, situation. And that makes my decision an awful lot harder to make. Um, and I really am still like uncomfortable thinking about it. I was tempted to just continue punting. And I'm, I'm really coming off from less field without any good statistical basis with this choice. And it's with um, good old Wilfred Zaha at home to Brentford. This is Palace's first game um, at home of the season. And if they were to have one of those home bounces like we've seen other teams have, then that could could be fun. And it just means that I can just continue kind of pushing along here. The other option is, is that I actually just come down a total, to a totally different price bracket and start to allow myself the gap to move Greenwood towards Son. It will take three transfer, well, through the third transfer will be getting Son in to get there and I could start to free up the funds I'm not sure if I can be bothered though um, I, because I was thinking I was going to wildcard anyway and I'm as it stands right now I, I, I still feel like I'm going to follow through on that particular plan and so that means then that I actually could just continue punting and the Zaha idea um, isn't totally wild and wildly off. Like I don't like Ismail Asar. Um, he's someone that you mentioned, Nick, and I think we might as well go into that one right now. Uh, whilst he had a particularly good game and he was particularly eye-catching against Aston Villa, he will never play um, or won't play many left-backs as obliging as Matt Target was uh, that day. I thought from the eye test perspective, I actually decided to sit down and watch that game. So I watched, I think, 70 minutes of the 90 live and then obviously watched highlights as well of that game. 
And what I noticed about Ismail Asar so much was that he kept receiving the ball right out in the touchline, coming down, kind of getting towards the byline and then trying to make his way in. And it just so happened that he made his way in so many times because he was able to beat Sar or beat target so many times. And yes, of course, some of that comes down to the fact that Sar is a very good dribbler. But part of that does also come down to the fact that target had a bit of a horror show. And once Ashley Young was put on him, he wasn't getting anywhere near the same amount of joy. So I feel like his goal threat was actually exaggerated. And in XG terms, his goal threat wasn't even that big anyway. Like the, um, I think it was a 0.16 XG that he had in the game. He, he, uh, in the game, he was, he genuinely tore, tore apart target. Mm-hmm. Like he was taken off in 45 minutes and replaced with Ashley Young. And it worked. Um, he definitely, one of those players for six where you can see that there's going to be something about him throughout the course of the season. You know, he, uh, I'm, I'm not thinking about the 200 points from him. Think about you know, 130, 140. Um, I, think well he's, I think he's a consistent assist threat. That's what I actually think he is, though, based on what we saw. Like He created a nice few chances, and that was, that was good. And I think that's actually what you can expect more from, and the odd goal. If he does turn out to be on penalties, which is a thing that people have been talking about in preseason, and we obviously still haven't had the chance to know, that makes him a far better option than we know right now. But uh, the fact of the matter was, was that I, I just personally, anyway, from my own personal eye test, I didn't like what I saw once I saw the stats. And I, I hope I'm not being caught in confirmation bias here that, you know, I see his, uh, his XG was indeed yeah, 0.13. So he had his four shots, but like, or three shots, but like the goal that he actually scored was deflected. It wasn't a particularly good chance. Anyway, one of them was off a corner and one of them was a bit of a no-hoper from outside the box created quite a few chances in XA though of 0.24. I think that's where he's more sustainable and in the way he was playing out to the touchline, into the byline, get across in. Yeah, I, I can see that doing well for him. And for 6 million, that's good. But we have 6.5, we have a consistent against anyone goal threat, for example, in Rafinha, um, who I feel like is a much better option for 0.5 more. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely a few options on the table here. That's for sure. I'm mean, looking at Ben Rama and Greenwood for sure. Um, but Rafinha is the one that I kind of keep going back to and thinking, you know what, we've had one game week of evidence, but things can change so much. Like next week, we could all be saying, all oh, the guys just bought, bought in last week are absolutely trash. I mean, Ben Rama, XGI of 0.88 or 0.51, if you believe stats will fix. <laughs> David, no. Um, overperformed his expected effectively. And Greenwood, yeah, okay. I mean, he was the green, the beat Bruno de- decoy of uh, this game, which has gone and he worked his magic. Um, and with this, I think it really comes down to fixtures and predictions, you know. Um, I'll see what Mikel says, but Greenwood predicts as a higher scorer over, over the next uh, three to four game weeks, um, at 7.5, according to FPL review, uh, via uh, Football Hub. And uh, Man United have the third best attacking fixtures, according to that same measure. Um, do you see enough of Benrahma? Well, yeah, I think I did. I know what you said earlier about the headed chance, um, but he was doing the Lingard, kind of linking it all together, making it all work. And 6.0 from him would give me 1.5 million in the bank for future flex. So, for example, when I sell the ineffectual Danny Ings in game week four, when Villa's fixtures stiffen. Both these players, Benrahma and um uh, and Mr. Greenwood have a bit of a year but with Europe, so from game of four onwards. Um, West Ham definitely need to be on the be in the market for a striker, or ben Antonio is going to break down. And uh, Lingard rumours back, maybe might change Ben Rama. Um, 
and Greenwood has a lot of competition in general. But you know, Rafinha, um, one big chance missed last uh, game, as you know, I, I, I spotted as well, uh, that he was the guy who had the second highest uh, XG in that game. A serious X lively about him, as usual, versus United. Leads with their own fans well, if this sort of, you know, mirrors and you've got the home fan thing going on a 6.5 as real as late rise would put it blue guy potential about this guy and i suspect not too many people would be looking at him because everyone's going to be looking at what happened in the last game week because that's the one thing that we've got at the moment the one bit of evidence that we can push everything forward i'm keen to look outside of the force binary i suppose kind of being like well greenwood or ben rama because they've both done things in the game we just gone. Yeah, I yeah, I just feel like if Ben Rama doesn't end up with um a header which is like an anathema for his whole entire career, we're we're seeing him very differently and we're maybe talking about him as an assisting the assister type of player because I think an awful lot of that link up play, which yes, Tom, you did say he did have, was relatively far away from goal. You know, it's on that edge of the box, giving it to someone who's probably going to be trying to give it to someone else who's gonna you know thread through to score and I just I don't know I wasn't seeing enough of him to get that excited and West Ham it's 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 Antonio is the pick from me there I have Sufal I, I'm not sure how delighted I am with having Sufal but I'm just I'm not sure if you if it's a an attack that you quote unquote need to double up on and again we're back to talking about Rafinha here it's like yeah, would I, you rather I, exactly, exactly. put the money over there I, you know? I, I, are you going to spread the risk or hedge the bets because like are West Ham going to be beating every team they meet 4-2 with a glut of riches all around that all of his hacking players are going to be smashing it I mean yeah, Nick, Nick what do you reckon to this I mean is it one of those where um you shouldn't be too led by game week one. I feel like we need to we, we need your sort of you know balanced approach to understanding what we do here. Well, yeah, I think there, there are other options that they haven't mentioned. For instance, um, Joe Willock um, scoring seven goals in a row at the end of last season in excellent form. He's only six million. He didn't play last week because he'd only just signed, and obviously he plays for Newcastle, which is a giant red flag in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, but I know you were keen on Callum Wilson and obviously I think um, Willock uh, had a great end of the season last year and Newcastle do have some excellent fixtures and Villa and Southampton up next. We, as we just talked about, target was rubbish. Southampton don't have a defence any longer, so could be um, some returns there for sure. Um, I'll, I'll call him out. He's not really a call out for you guys just because you already tripled up, but I think Diego Jota also needs a shout out. Um, only 7.5 million. Um, as I said, most of us have Simicas and Trent and um, Salah, so we can't fit him in. But still, he scored, um, started as a centre-forward, but then Bobby did come on the pitch later, so he might drop back a little bit in, in future games, but I still think he's a great shout-out. And then um, also the Chelsea guys, so we're all worried, obviously, about Lukaku and how gonna, how the hell we're going to fit in Lukaku. But uh, Pulisic has started really well for them, uh, and with CH's injury, he should be nailed on for the short term, and he scored a goal. Um, and I've always really liked him as a pick. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's only eight million. Or Mason Mount, one of our favourites from previous years of podding, um, seven point five million. Um, as we said, we got Arsenal next, and you know they've got to have some tough fixtures, Chelsea. But 
if you're looking in the long term, um, getting a Chelsea guy in early, um, I think will be of great benefit just because I think they're going to have a fantastic campaign this season. And I think, I think they're going to do really well. And uh, yeah, obviously as well, the other one I wanted to say is just Jack Grealish. Again, if you need that extra 0.5 million, so you can't necessarily do a straight swap, but I feel like that with all the rotation and confusion, especially, you know, Torres, I think he did look like a good pick, but um, plays badly. Um, I think Grealish is going to be perhaps the best bargain pick of all the Manchester City players, um, attacking players next season. And he's the one that I would want out of all of them because he's only 8 million. Yeah, I make a bit of a shout here, actually. I suspect that because the template doesn't necessarily have many or if any Chelsea or City attackers in it right now, I suspect that the managers who nailed the shift to Chelsea and City at the right time um, and probably preempted yeah. just a little bit are the ones who are going to find themselves in the high ranks come around game week 10. And as we've talked about in previous pods and in uh, previous seasons, there kind of tends to be a rich gets richer effect from there where the template forms and it becomes harder and harder to catch up with those people. And it's something I'm very, very conscious of at the moment is should I already be looking at this move? And it's just trying to figure out if if so, who? Yeah, I think we're quite unusual though. I think most people are going to be in, in the Nick boat where you're not going to be making a move because... Yeah. You, know, you you've you've started phenomenally well. We all have, and we've both got enforced moves. Anthony because he planned it. Me because of an injury, um, potentially at this point I should probably say it was one of those wildcard thoughts. And next question: FPL fella, we met him, Nick, didn't we? Um, at the at twenty four seven, very nice guy. Um, and he asked, um, "What's everyone's appearance opinion on the best time to play your first wildcards?" Um, Anthony, you're going a little bit early by the sounds of it. Yeah, like I haven't picked a week now and I haven't like a specific plan, but I, I broadly kind of went into this season happy with the idea that I would wildcard around, let's say, game weeks three to seven. And I'm kind of continuing in that mode and I'm making my transfers without any real, I, I guess I feel that when I need to shift to a new premium. Yeah. That's when I'll be doing the wild card. You know, I'm not going to start think, taking it. It's so hard to project. say I'm going to def. It's so hard to say I'm really definitely doing something at this yeah. point. Yeah, correct. And like, it's very hard to even pick out like the, the fixture shifts. For example, like Chelsea's sh- fixtures don't shift for another while. But honestly, if Lukaku kind of goes off on one, I- I'm going to find it very hard to ignore him, even as Chelsea kind of go through more tough fixtures because I really think he's possibly in the fixture proof category um, he's a very 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 um, different player to the one that we would have seen playing for Manchester United a few years ago like even just physically he looks um, very very different he's much fitter he's probably faster I presume based on that um, he's obviously got his confidence up everything that's kind of gone with it I back him against almost anyone and I could totally see how he would make me need to tear up a team uh, San there's obviously a big fixture shift coming he's obviously got a goal already um, the goal that he got probably wasn't his best chance um, he kind of had his opportunities against City. Now, not every, you won't ever get to play against City every week if you're a Tottenham who kind of, you know, do well on the counter-attack against City in particular. But at the same time, Son has shown himself to be able to score against most teams in the division. And he is the type of player who could make me want to do that wild card. So I guess to answer FPL Fellas' question soon, but like at the same time, if you're happy with your squad and you don't feel the need to make a change, don't. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm looking maybe at game week seven if I was to pick a date. 
out the hat, and then that is really because of the Chelsea yeah. fixture shift. I just think I'm, I just think I'm going to want Lukaku for that. You know, I just think he's going to have to come into my side. I might have to make a few changes. I think City's um, fixtures are pretty good from then on as well, um, and Manchester United get a lot tougher actually. So I feel like that's a really good opportunity to make a few changes, the likes of um, Brighton and stuff. Yeah you know, decent early run ends as well. So maybe I'll switch my goalkeeper out to someone different mm-hmm. um, and, and just make a few changes around that point. Do you know what as well? That, you know, obviously there's the game week seven kind of turnaround. And, but Anthony, you remember me saying, and I'm sure you know, many other people have said this as well, um, but Chelsea was ridiculous on the fixtures from game 24 onwards, where they don't really play a top 14 from last year until game week 37. So yeah, you've it's, got it's mental, obviously, obviously yeah. you've got your Champions League and whatever all kind of in, uh, playing in there. Uh, but if there's a serious title charge from them, and you can't really be kind of writing them off, and you're going to have, I think there is a definitely occasion to look at this and think there's a glue guy sort of appearance here from game week seven point onwards. Um, same as me, Nick, that's exactly how we're looking at it. Um, maybe Man City as well. They've got a shift in game week eight after Liverpool game. Do I want to be getting involved in Pep Roulette other than Ruben Diaz, maybe? Mm. Uh, but around game week four or five, what I will do is I'll have a game week, I'll have a wildcard team in mind and I'll keep an eye on prices as it evolves. And, you know, if things start to look mighty close to what I want, you know, from game week six or so, I may be persuaded to go early. But one of the things that I won't do is to go in with my wild card during an international break because of all the COVID complexity. I think it's one of the only kind of you know, uh, real sort of uh, concedes I'm going to do to COVID this year where I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, I'm not going to be kind of making my changes while players are coming back and while we're not really sure what go- what goes on. You know, the Rafinha thing you guys were both saying. Another thing I'm not going to do in this year, early flag plant, a really obvious one as well, is not mess it up by selling the performing players. Because I remember last year, Nick and I were both on the pod and I sold Kane and Son on my wild card last year uh, because City's prices moved around. At the time, it made loads of sense to do it because City's fixtures were changing massively. Um, but they kept going for the whole year. And obviously, you, you can never have a crystal ball and know who's going to be in the 200 club. But both of those players were performing and it was mistakes to do that. So we'll come back We'll come back to that when it comes up, when it happens. Um yeah, that's one of the things I'll, I'll be doing on wildcard. And the final question uh, this week is the classic from Jaden's Kitchen. Thank Captain you. Salah or Fernandez? Nick, what are you doing? I'm sticking with Salah. I think that's probably obvious. Um, I, th- I think they are both excellent captains for the Armand. And I also think that they're both going to have an effective ownership of over 100%. So we're not going to benefit from both. It's going to be impossible to benefit from both. But for me, it's Salah. I think he just gets the armband. He's got the home fixture and he's also my sole midfield slash attacker. So that's who I'm going for. Yeah, it's the home fixture that's swinging me as well. That's making me want to go with Salah. Uh, on you know, in contrast, I feel like Southampton really can't afford to have another bad game. Uh, it was pretty disappointing the way they kind of rolled over in the end against Everton. And I suspect when they're at home, they will need to tighten it up and will just make life awkward. And with Bruno, of course, there is always the risk that he gets the penalty, and then suddenly, you know, if he's got a penalty and an assist, it's 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 a double figure game before you know it. 
But at the same time, I do feel like, as with Salah, is always the case, the, the ceiling is so high. And when it's at home to Burnley, uh, that's really good. That's enough for me to just stay safe and I <laughs> yeah, guess stick, yeah. to my, stick to that objective that I had of just, you know, Captain Obvious. That makes absolute sense to Captain Bruno Fernandes versus Southampton. But I'm objective one, Captain what Mikel says. Mikel is definitely going to say Salah. So I will do exactly that. Right, let's move on to the end of the podcast. Transfers and captains. I am going to be captaining Salah. Hooray. I won't be making any changes except for Gundogan. Um, I'm, again, we're looking at kind of conspiracy theory sort of level stuff. But like if Gundogan has a little bit of an injury, it's game week two, how integral he is to Man City. And the reason basically I, I basically bought him there's no way if he's got a bit of a niggle, he will be playing against Norwich because that is a perfect game for himself. And it feels very galaxy brain, doesn't it? Like as in, you know, idiot brain to be moving Gunda one out, a sissy player out before the Norwich game. But I think I'm probably going to be doing it. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I'll do still. I think it's between Ben, Ra- it's between Ben Rama um, Greenwood and Rafinha. Rafinha feels like one that if I'm not going to be wild card anytime soon, perhaps I won't be doing. Uh, Greenwood feels like kind of the obvious pick. Ben Rama also feels like the objective free in terms of going with the form pick. Um, I'm not entirely sure yet. So if I tomorrow see Ben Rama's rising, it might just be a go with that, to be fair. Um, I think uh, Greenwood has a lot of. Um, competition for his role so maybe it'll be Ben Rama who does that I, I can't see Lingard going there and just football manager taking it off him but I do like the Rafinha idea I really do Anthony I, I like that kind of you know it's game week one things are kind of you know, everyone's looking at the last game week and going, kind of going yeah that, that's what happened last game week so that's going to be the way things go and uh, Rafinha as you mentioned missed that big chance and if he scored that and if he just pulled it back a tiny bit differently, um, he could have had a goal and an assist in that game, and suddenly we'd all be kind of you know boning uh, Rafinha. Um, I think he's definitely got it in him, as we said in the preseason price pod, to do more. Um, so I could be looking at Rafinha as just kind of thing, but you know, as Nick said, you know, if he does go off Brazil, then suddenly he is not really viable game week four because he he gets back on a Friday and leaves play on Sunday. It's a very, they're all short term pumps, I think, slightly actually. I think Ben Rama sounds decent with six because it gives me seven point, it gives me 1.5 in the bank. Maybe that's the one that I go with looking at my third objective. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Anthony, what do you reckon? So, getting rid of Pepe, have Uh we convinced you anyway? It won't be Ben Rama. I, I'm not interested in and it won't be Ismail Asar either. I just haven't seen enough to be convinced by either of those options so far. It is actually between the complete punt based on no decent data that's worth talking about in Zaha, um, just because Palace are at home and I think have a decent fixture against Brentford. Brentford were good, obviously, against Arsenal. That was a great day. Uh, it was an emotional day. They look very cohesive, like they have a plan and things. Uh, but at the same time, I just feel like um, just... A game that doesn't have the same sense of occasion might not necessarily bring a result or bring about a performance that merited an occasion. And there might be a bit of a gap there. And just the fact that I guess Zaha is on penalties and is quite good at winning them by himself anyway 
helps matters. Um, but also, I think the Rafinha thing is quite tempting. And I guess we're talking about game week one and we're talking about home be- home games being an important thing. Uh, Elland Road is anything but a library. And I think that it'll be a very kind of good game for Leeds there. Um, uh, and with that in mind, it kind of feels like it's almost sensible to move on to him now. He's also quite highly owned. Like he is a real threat to my rank. For me, as I alluded to, I am rolling my transfer. Um, not going to be making any wholesale changes. Let's move on to the end. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear about everything, how it goes, um, what we do with the teams that we've had and how we react to game we won. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of the phases now where you're all kind of like, let's run game week of data. There's nothing we can do here. Like we obviously look for everything that we've heard and obviously try to give you some sense of what happens. I feel like we've done an awful lot with that data. We've made yeah, we some have. We have. very we... responsible uh, <laughs> calls. And I think that's what we set out to do at the start of this. And um, when you when you want more, when you want more. But yeah, no, definitely interesting. We, we need one more, which is exactly 10% of what the analytics guys said was enough to actually form a sample for making any sort of conclusions. And we're just going to go with the two and go from there. But yeah, exactly. The bigger the sample size, the more we can really talk about the data. But for now, thanks very much for joining us, Nick. It was good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for um, inviting me back to the pod. Yeah, always <laughs> nice to, to catch up with you guys. And yeah, hopefully I uh, won't be too long before I can uh, do another uh, cheeky visit onto the yeah. pod. Absolutely. Doors always open. And thanks everyone else for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. We would really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review if you liked what you heard or if you ever liked what you heard from us. It would help us with the algorithms and all that. Start of the season, lots of new listeners being pumped up by the algorithms would be entirely helpful. Um, if you were listening to this but would rather see this, then you can find us on YouTube as well. Just search WGTA and you will find us on YouTube straight away. There's a few hundred people who are now joining in and watching these podcasts instead of listening to them. And it's great. It's it's slightly unedited. It's a bit more rough and ready. And uh, you obviously have Tom's good visuals to go with it, which is good. And you actually get to see FPL King um, in his, um, when well, he's now FPL Viking, in his correspondence this oh, glory. Oh, glory all of its glory um, and it's actually it's a funny watch i must say um and he of course was part of the correspondence section he didn't do it but what you can do to send in your correspondence is send an email to who got the assist at gmail.com thanks very much guys yeah thank, we hope this you um had a game week two you're all going to change again but i hope you enjoy listening and we'll speak to you very very soon goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.